0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Miami Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is February 16th, 2021, and I am your host, Kyle Krabs, director scouting the DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, and your MC for today's episode of Power to the Pod, which means... Your questions, topics, hot takes, mock drafts, non-football related questions, you name it. We got a little bit of all of it today and looking forward to diving into another episode of the People's Podcast. Before we get there, however, Barry Jackson never disappoints. Barry Jackson, Miami Herald did release a report detailing reportedly the Dolphins in Internal perceptions of their wide receiver room, and uh, also detailing a number of wide receivers that have the Dolphins on their short list. And I think this is worth discussing, uh, especially because there was a question submitted for Power to the Pod that gets into the Dolphins wide receivers, and uh, we've talked a lot about prototypes defensively and what some of the offensive prototypes look like. So we can get into that. Uh, When that question comes up, but let's set the table here with this report from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, which came out yesterday source. uh, According to a source, dolphins believe they need a twitchy receiver capable of playing in the slot report would go on to mention that the dolphins are intrigued by Limbo and jr. But that spot still needs to be upgraded and also mentions need for help at outside wide receiver. I think what this does is kind of builds upon our working theory that you can compartmentalize the wide receiver room into a number of different buckets. And I think the Dolphins need help at each of the buckets, if we're being completely honest. Uh, Jakeem Grant, not really a slot guy, more of a vertical speedster, return abilities. You think, OK, who can replace that? you look to the draft, it's guys like Jalen Waddle or Dwayne Eskridge on day two or Daz Newsome from North Carolina on day three. A vertical component with some special teams ability. You also have the the gadget hybrid group, which is guys like Albert Wilson, Lynn Bowden Jr., Malcolm Perry. You know, where are your upgrades there? There's some multi-tool guys like that. Brandon Ayuk in the 2020 NFL draft, who Miami was reportedly interested in in the first round, would be a candidate and an example of that. And then you have your size guys outside. And I think that what's most interesting is, is we've distinguished that they do also still perceive needing help at boundary or the outside wide receivers, which makes me think, hey, you know, maybe this size trend at wide receiver isn't going away. And what this reported perception allows us to do is begin to compartmentalize and start coming up with combinations of wide receivers that would fit the Dolphins. If they're going to go for an upgrade, in each of the wide receiver rooms, they want an upgrade for a big outside guy. You put three guys in that bucket. It's Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and it's also Matt Collins. I know he's primarily special teams, but he was the guy that took those reps. So those three guys are big-bodied perimeter guys. And then you got the gadget guys. We just mentioned Malcolm Perry, Lin Jr., and Albert Wilson, who, of course, opted out of the season so the Dolphins didn't have him at their disposal. And then you have the vertical guy in Jakeem Ryan. Pick a vertical guy, pick a gadget guy, pick a big body guy, one in free agency, two in the draft, two in free agency, one in the draft, three or zero or zero and three, you can kind of start to piece together, okay, you know, this is what this room might look like. We're going to lop the bottom guy off in each room. I think Malcolm Perry's probably the one uh, who would endure the cut. I know a lot of people were excited about what his potential was, and he's a fun story, but that's the unfortunate byproduct of getting a team more talented, right? Is some of these fun stories, kind of scrappy underdogs, they they become the players that don't get the opportunities because you're looking for more physically talented players. And if you can go out and get Curtis Samuel, yeah, he should bump for a reasonable price. He should bump Malcolm Perry off the roster. Ja'Keem Grant for his price point versus you know what you could get, say it's Dwayne Eskridge on day two. You'd say they take him at 50, or if he's there at 81, the Western Michigan kid who just crushed the senior bowl. That price point's going to be significantly cheaper than what Jakeem Grants is. Uh, he has every bit of the short-air quickness. He ran 4 3 so you know he's blazing fast. He can work vertically and get over the top. He's got return abilities, checks all the boxes. Okay, You, know, you bump Jakeem off, and that's, that's a cost-saving measure. And then Mac Hollins, I think the Dolphins would have enough guys with their affinity for defensive backs uh, that they would have somebody who would step into Mac Hollins' role as a gunner, even though Mac is very good at that role. Uh, so you could start to get an idea on what the wide receiver room is going to look like. And, and I'm really thankful that we had that clarity with a month out towards free agency because we'll continue to further flesh out what it could look like. Who are the players? Uh, Barry Jackson's report. Now, this was a pretty interesting report to read. Number of free agent receivers pegged as interested in welcoming of the Dolphins. Uh, source said Marvin Jones from Detroit get a call from former Lions teammate Matt Stafford about potentially joining him with the Rams, but Miami and Jacksonville also would be two teams that interest him. Colts receiver T.Y. Hilton, who attended Florida International, would welcome Dolphins overtures after a 56-catch 762-yard season in Indianapolis. An associate included Miami on a short list of teams that would hold appeal to Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster if the Steelers don't keep him. This all from the same report. This is where is most interesting for me because this is fairly uncharted waters for the Dolphins. You hear Deshaun Watson give the compliments that he gave the Dolphins, not directly, uh, but but pegging them as a really attractive destination. You hear receivers like Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, I'd like to go play in Miami. When, When has that ever been a thing for Miami? Miami has always been that team that's been used for leverage for players to get more money from other attractive teams and destinations. They've never been considered... An attractive destination, or at least not in recent memory. Last 10 years, they've always been that team that's been used to get leverage, to get more money from somebody else. And the players that the Dolphins do sign are the players that the Dolphins just throw the money at, in a lot of cases. Especially with some some high-level free agents. This does not appear to be the case this year. And maybe they're looking at the opportunity, and they're saying, yeah, that wide receiver room stinks. I can go play there, and I can go catch a bunch of balls, and have a good time. Maybe I want to go, to go to South Beach. Regardless of what other motivations they have, the Dolphins being put on significant members of the wide receiver free agent class to say, Miami's on my short list. I wouldn't mind going to play in Miami. I'd like to go play in Miami. Great. It's a testament to what the Dolphins and their organization are building the direction that they're heading, that these kinds of players are willing to put the Dolphins on the short list. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Some real-time updated odds and props are there for almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds and is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. We are on. We are locked in on Power to the Pot. Your questions, your topics. We're gonna to start with iTunes reviews. Uh, we're gonna transition over into Twitter questions from there. And uh, y'all did not disappoint once again. By the way, we are reading at 991 reviews of the show, just short of 1,000. That is a very humbling number. And I thank everybody who has continued to listen and engage and ask questions and uh, just kind of follow along. I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary of taking over the show, and we've had a blast and very humbled that so many Dolphins fans are plugged in on what we're doing here on Locked on Dolphins. J.C. Dixon, does the team suggest to player what to work on and what trainer and company to use or is it up to the player and the agent? My understanding is is players have the liberty to pursue training in whatever way, shape, and form that they would like to. Uh, so that's how you see players from different teams kind of collecting together and work out uh, with a specific agent. And then I know a couple of really good specialist trainers um, that have markets from, from everywhere, and they're not team-sanctioned. Uh, so as you see players like Xavier Howard, for example, works out with uh, Rashad, the footwork king, and he is tremendous at what he does. He's got a great list of clients. He's based out of Houston, and xavier um, has been working with him for a while. That's a really good example of a player working with an independent trainer, uh, but none of that, to my understanding, is sanctioned by the teams because the team's sanctioned trainers are contracted and hired by the team. And some of that is, is kind of restricted for uh, competitive advantage purposes. Hud Solo 39. No question, just a, a nice five-star review. Thanks, man. Keep, keep my head out of the clouds when I spend too much time on Twitter. Listen, I love Dolphin's Twitter as much as the next guy, but... We're an emotional wreck right now because the season didn't end the way that we wanted it to. It was a great ride. Um, but letting cooler heads prevail has never been known as something that Twitter's very, very good for. So, uh, Disney Doe's question. Seeing how Brady goes to Tampa and wins a Super Bowl, do you think Miami would have made a deep playoff run if it signed Tom Brady in the offseason? Jeez. Well, I mean, Tom Brady's got a pretty extensive resume of. Taking his teams to deep playoff runs, I think the the formula would have mirrored a lot of what New England teams towards the back half of his time in New England look like. Really good defense, opportunistic, lots of turnovers, disciplined team. Uh, I think the difference would have been Tom would not have had the luxury of the pass protection that he was afforded in New England because New England's offensive line is still better than Miami's. So I think that offensive line really would have been an Achilles heel. If the Dolphins would have signed Tom Brady, um, maybe you're a little bit more eager to go up and get Tristan Orfs to play right tackle, and you're willing to part with some extra day two picks to get that trade done. I think the offensive line would have been restrictive, uh, but I definitely think the Dolphins would have won uh, m- more than 10 games. They probably don't lose to Denver, right? They probably win one of those early season games, whether it was Buffalo in Week 2 or Seattle in Week 4. I mean, you're probably looking at it at 11-5 or 12-4 and four with Tom, uh, based on how they were able to do so many other things. Johnson at AOL. Rank these in order of best fit for the Dolphins. Their linebackers. Micah Parsons, Penn State. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Notre Dame, Nick Bolton, Missouri, Zaven Collins, Tulsa, Baron Browning, Ohio State, Jabril Cox, LSU. Jeez, my guy, six linebackers. Uh, Micah Parsons is the most universal fit. Uh, I think he's going to fit in any system. I think he's the best athlete of the bunch. Uh, he's perceived to be a top of the, half of the first round linebacker for a reason. Uh, I know there's, there's some whispers about off the field stuff, but I haven't really got anything concrete to make me definitively say he wouldn't be a fit for the dolphins. And you've seen the dolphins take the, some risks on guys who have some red tape anyway. So I think Micah Parsons is one number two. I think I'd go saving Collins too. He's 260 pounds out of Tulsa. He's good in coverage. Uh, he can play stack linebacker, he can play edge on the ball. He's a big he's 20 pound heavier version of Kyle Van Noy. And you think about Kyle Van Noy and what he's able to do and all the things he's able to to complement the defense, and then you project another twenty pounds on that for a guy who can play on the edge and, and really be a firm presence. I think he's probably number two fit for the Dolphins out of this group. I would probably put Baron Browning in front of Owusu Koromoa just because Browning is 240-something pounds versus Wusu cormoros like 215-220. I just think the size component is a limiting factor unless the Dolphins are going to say, hey, we're going to draft you to replace Jerome Baker in a few years. Uh, Nick Bolton is a true Mike. He's not quite as versatile. And then I would put Jabril Cox last because he's just a coverage. He's most attractive as a coverage linebacker. So I would go Parsons, Collins, Browning over Owusu-Koromoa based off the measurables, based on how I perceive the Dolphins prioritizing this position. But if they were willing to draft a player to potentially replace Jerome Baker and and kind of fall into the the lineage there, I would put Owusu-Koromoa ahead of Browning, just kind of projecting what the needs are. Then Nick Bolton and then Jabril Cox. The nice thing about this group of six is they're all good football players. And depending on where the Dolphins drafted any of these six guys, I would be happy and excited about their fit within the team. So that's a great question. Uh, Deverell King, love the show. Draft dudes as well. Thank you. Seriously has made a difference this past year. I know this past year has been tough for a lot of folks. So uh, if we can help you kill 30 minutes a day, you know I'm really glad that we're able to do that. Want to know what you think about the quarterbacks in this class, especially Zach Wilson and the idea that the Dolphins move on from Tua in order to draft a quarterback Not to trade Deshaun Watson. I think unless you're getting Trevor Lawrence, any move that you make at quarterback, in my opinion, is a lateral move at best, and then you're absorbing a bunch of sunk costs because you would have used two top five picks on quarterbacks. So if Trevor Lawrence slides to three in some magical fantasy land, like, yeah, I'm probably going to take Trevor Lawrence, and I'll worry about it from there. Uh, That's not going to happen, so we don't have to worry about it. And therefore, uh, Zach Wilson, the sample size is concerning. Uh, He's another guy who's not really a big dude. Uh, He's big enough to play NFL quarterback, but he's not a big dude. Like, you see Justin Fields, and he's really well slapped together. you think he could take wear and tear. Zach Wilson already has a throwing shoulder injury on his resume, So, I generally speaking would stay on the side of the fence that says, you know, let's, if you're drafting a quarterback, it's probably redundant. Power to the pod question from this past Thursday. I was thinking of all the trade down options. Has anyone thought about trading down to the Broncos and instead of a future one, maybe tie Jerry Judy? So, give three, receive eight, Jerry Judy and a second. That would reunite Tua and Judy. So Denver giving up 8, Judy, and a 2. The challenge with this in my eyes is Denver's probably going to be super reluctant to move on from a receiver who showed plenty. Yes, I know he had some drops issues. But young, talented players on these cheap rookie contracts are very, very highly coveted because of the potential bargain. Uh, as far as what the talent level is versus what the economic price is. So maybe Denver would say, hey, we'll give you th- eight and Judy. Uh, but I don't think that they would be willing to give up their first two picks this year. Plus last year's first round pick. Uh, to move up to three to go get a quarterback. I don't think they're that quarterback hungry. Uh, go Fins, go with the mock draft. Trade three and a 2022 fourth to San Francisco. For 12 42 and a 2022 20, first and second. Okay, you went all out. I can tell you already I like the trade. Uh, Devontae Smith at 12, Rashawn Slater at 18, Jalen Phillips at 36, Javante Williams at 43, Jabril Cox at 50. Uh, we are trading 81 to Tampa for 95 and 137 to draft Sean Wade. Uh, wide receiver Daz Newsome from North Carolina. Buffalo running back Jared Patterson. Duke pass rusher Chris Rumpf. Uh, Slater, I think, is a fit for Miami, but ideally probably at center. Uh, I love the Jalen Phillips pick. I know there's some some background about him with his circumstances leaving UCLA that needs to be vetted, and, and some teams will have concerns about uh, his longevity as a player, uh, given that there was a what was perceived to be a medical retirement from UCLA, and then he comes back and plays at, at Miami. Uh, but the talent is there. Javante Williams at 43. I don't know if he gets to 43, to be honest with you, uh, in the real thing. Just I know mean, you said Devonte Smith at 12, not sure how he fell that far. I think what what's tough is you might end up having to, when we get to the real draft, take every pick that you made from 12 through 50. So Smith, Slater, Phillips, Williams, and Cox. And, well, I'll exclude Cox. Smith, Slater, Phillips, and Williams. If you wanted each one of those players, I think you'd probably have to move them up a slot in in what your actual order is. So Smith is like you'd have to replace him with Slater, then take Phillips at 18 because I think he goes in the 20s in the real thing, and then Javante Williams at 36. I like this effort, though. Daz Newsome at 123 is a home run fit. No question from Jay Felt. Just a, a nice review of the show. Thank you, man. Fins up. Thanks for listening. Uh, bass. Here we go. My question, why would you rather sign Curtis Samuel for $12 million a year and not sign Aaron Jones for the same amount? I know running backs are easier to find in the draft, but Samuel is at best a number two wide receiver, while Jones could be a top five running back. Your thoughts? So Aaron Jones is really, if we're going to boil this thing down, just your majorly souped-up version of Miles Gaskin. I do think Samuel is a more versatile player. Uh, He's a more explosive player. Uh, He can win vertically down the field. He can win in the quick game. Aaron Jones can win in the quick game. Uh, He can win with the checkdowns and create after the catch. But for my money, you're paying for the versatility to create in more ways. And I think Curtis Samuel can create in more ways, create more conflict. Uh, This was really apparent watching Jalen Waddle. I'm going to tie it back to Jalen Waddle because I told you guys yesterday I'm going to pound the table for Jalen Waddle all spring long. Uh, Watching him lift coverage and how much extra space it created underneath. And while Jakeem Grant was that kind of player, Jakeem Grant did not command that kind of respect. I think Curtis Samuel... To, this, to some degree, can command more respect pushing vertically, and then you will reap the benefits of that with lifting coverage. And, and what I mean by that is defenders getting more depth uh, to respect your vertical ability and, and your opportunities to beat them over the top for chunk plays. Or alternatively, you can go out and get a Jalen Waller or a Dwayne Eskridge or some speed guy and let them lift the coverage and Curtis Samuel working underneath with all of this extra room because the defenders are dropping more to take away those intermediate and deeper windows, you can really create some explosive plays out of the catch. And that's really where Miami got stuck the most, is nobody respected their ability to go vertical and beat you over the top, and they crowded you, and you didn't have anybody with any short area twitch to create anything in short spaces when you were in the phone booth. So uh, I think that you can piece enough of these improvements together and really get some some nice returns a power the pod question from pa Finn 73 which top tier prospects would you expect the dolphins to avoid drafting because they just aren't a good scheme fit this is a full show topic let's do this tomorrow let's do this tomorrow because i don't want to do this question injustice and there's like a million other questions (laughs) that i still was hoping to get to today on the show RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for your classic or daily driver, and you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy to navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. And best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourself. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same part. So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I'm going to have to turn up the speed here. <laughs> we have so many questions. This is awesome. I love you guys poured these in. Okay. Uh, Aaron, jackass9. Five-star review, voice of reason. Thanks for the review. Thanks for listening. Curious, who's your all-time favorite Dolphin? Dan Marino. If I had to go defense, I think I'm going Jason Taylor. Uh, Dan, I just caught the tail end of his career, but I had the chance to go to Canton and see him get enshrined back in 05. Awesome experience. Jason Taylor was, you know, some of my first memories of being a Dolphins fan involved Jason Taylor. So those would be my choices. That 06 uh, Depoy season was fun. A lot of fun. Even though there was not much else about that team that was fun. Gucci Manatee. Goat username. Uh, love the pod. Listen quite often. One your thoughts on this two-round mock. Uh, trade three for seven and 35 with Detroit. Uh, draft Devontae Smith. Chase went early. Smith fell with our next pick. Uh, send 18, our 4th and 7th, to move up to 14 to draft Ray Sean Slater. Uh, 39, either look to trade Flowers and bump Kinley, hunt inside, have Slater play left or right tackle. Uh, and then with the pick, Detroit gave up, bring in Javante Williams, and then draft Trayvon Morig at 39 and Christian Barmore at 50. Um, okay, I'll start with what I like. I like Devontae Smith as a fit for the Dolphins. Rayshon Slater, I'm a little apprehensive just based on what Miami's trends have been the past year and and who they gravitate towards to play offensive tackle, the traits that they covet. I don't think Rayshon Slater is a physical profile fit, uh, probably more of an attractive fit inside. I like Javante Williams a lot. I think he got him in the sweet spot at 35. Uh, 39, Trevon Mulrig, safety from TCU. With the talk of the safety room being looked at, I assume Bobby is gone. Mulrig is a plug-and-play starter in Bobby's role. I think you got the scheme fit right. I think you got the style of play right. Uh, and you're saving five and a half million dollars by moving on from Bobby McCain. I think that's an an attractive option if you can get a pick in this range. Christian Barmore at 50, slipped a bit in the draft as Davis did last year, and I think he's too good for Flores to pass up at 50. Um, I don't think Barmore the, the closer we get to the draft, the more it appears as though Barmore is going to go in the first he's here at 50. That's a hell of a value. Speaking of Bobby McCain, a uh, question from D street 10, uh, with the rumors, the dolphins are carefully looking at their safety rooms. There are possibility for them to move McCain back to the slot where he's arguably better. I don't think McCain was playing bad at safety. Neither do I, but if we are saying we need to upgrade slot corner, it could make sense. Uh, yeah, the leadership is valuable there. He's a vocal leader on the team. Uh, he, I thought his best seasons came earlier in his career in the nickel, but uh, the tackling from Bobby hasn't been great, and I think that's something you really need out of a nickel. And he's also expensive. His cap hits over seven million dollars, uh, on one of the more expensive hits on the team. So you look at it from that perspective, and you you get a little bit of apprehension about. Uh, Okay, what's the long term puzzle piece here and and how much is he going to fit if he's going to be one of the the eight most expensive players on the team? Last question today. We may have to come back and double dip because like I barely got the Twitter questions, Um, but there's a lot of good topics you guys brought. If I didn't get you, look over at Dolphins Wire. I try and take some of this and create written content. And uh, we'll pick another day, either Thursday or Friday this week and come back for some of these more big picture questions that you guys had. Uh, I promise. Uh, but you guys, I mean, the reviews were overflowing. The cup runneth over this week, and, and that's super flattering, but I want to make sure I get to as many of you guys as possible. Uh, Andrew, last question. You've mentioned numerous times your belief that a player like Allen Robinson will command nearly $20 million per. But with so many teams likely to purge talent to get cap compliant, leaving a flood of talent on the market, could that no, not lower demands? Yes, this is this is really interesting to hear the Dolphins or the perception that the Dolphins are kind of handicapped. And oh, they've only got 30 million dollars in space. They need to get a backup quarterback. They need to re-sign Ted Karras or draft his replacement. And you need to bring in a couple other pieces here and there, and you're going to be right up against the cap. There's like four teams that have cap this year: the Colts, Jets, Patriots, and Jaguars. Those are those are the only four teams. I think they're all projected to have over 60 million dollars in cap space. And the next highest projection is like 45 million. The Dolphins right now have like 35, and you can create seven million dollars in cap space by getting rid of uh, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Clayton Fesnel. That's seven million dollars in cap space. That's gonna put you at 42, and I'm ready to do that like tomorrow. So yes, there those four teams are each going to get their pick of the litter if they want to throw money at teams. I don't think Indianapolis is going to do that because they have not done that for like three consecutive seasons. How the Patriots choose to handle their business is going to be really interesting. The Jets are going to spend a shit ton of money because that's what they always do. And then you have Jacksonville, who's going to have a purge and the ability to sell to Trevor Lawrence. But you know, by and large, you know, Urban Meyer teams going to are players going to sign up to go play for Urban Meyer? High-level free agents? I don't know. It's hard to say. But even if those teams each get pick of the litter and they each sign like one-and-a-half premier free agents, okay, now you're back down on the spending level with the rest of us. And you've got all these players, and it's I think you'll see the contract structure be what changes. Uh, the The annual PERM averages may still be as high as what they were for market value, but I think you'll see low-cap figures, big roster bonuses for future years, Uh, low signing bonuses, probably guaranteed salaries, uh, base salaries for future years. That's how you can circumvent it, and that's how the Dolphins should go about circumventing it. And they're ultimately eighth in the league in spending power with three players of flexibility to get up to being like fifth or, or fourth in the league. So I'm not overly concerned about the Dolphins' lack of spending power because, as you said, there's going to be this surplus of talent that's just looking for teams to play on next year. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Um, as I said, we'll, we'll come back to more questions later in the week. Tomorrow we're going to do top players in the draft that are not scheme fits for the Dolphins. That should be a fun show. So hit subscribe, circle back, come on back and see us again soon. And Kyle Krabs. Thanks as always for listening to Locked On Dolphins. Keep it locked in all offseason long. Here we got you covered. Fins up, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.